I'm, I'm thrilled about today. I'm super excited. Um, Vision Sunday is a day that you, as a pastor, work hard on. I spent way more time on my sermon than normal. So normally in a given week, I'll spend like five to 10 hours on a sermon. And this sucker uh, took me about 18, 18 hours of prep to work on. And then, because you know, you gotta, you gotta wow people. You've gotta inspire people. You know what I'm saying? It's Vision Sunday. It's gotta be really good, right? And that's what I'm left with today because the Holy Spirit called an audible and I'm left up here like, okay, I guess I'm not preaching that sermon. I guess I'm gonna follow you, God, and do what you want me to do. So this is either gonna be really good or a disaster. (laughs) One of the two, I don't know. It's gonna go one of two ways, but if you can, and we don't even have slides for this cued, but God put a verse on my heart and I want us to turn to Acts if you have your phone or a Bible. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there's a few down here. Feel free to just walk up and grab one. You can keep it if you don't have one at home. Acts chapter, we're going to walk through Acts chapter 2, hopefully later, if we get to that. We're going to see, right? But right now, turn to Acts chapter 9. And as we're thinking about our plans for the year and our vision for the year and where God is leading us as a church, which guys, let me tell you, I love talking about strategy. I love talking about plans. You know, some people just, they don't love structure. They don't love that kind of stuff. I live for it. And... um yeah, let's, let's see how this goes. Acts chapter 9. And for all y'all outside, you're welcome to come in and join us anytime you'd like as well. <laughs> Get him, John. <laughs> all right, well, let's see how this goes. Acts chapter 9, verse... 31. This is one of those places in Acts where they're recapping what the church is like and what's going on. One quick verse, he says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of this Holy Spirit, it multiplied. I'm going to read it one more time. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Why don't we see any big, massive master plan for church growth in the book of Acts? What do you guys think? Anybody? Yeah. It, they didn't have one. They didn't have a plan. Now, I'm all for plans. If you're going to be a good steward of the resources God's given you, whether it's money, time, people, whatever you have in your life, relationships, you have to make plans. So we're not saying plans are bad, but I just want to pause for a second and say, all they had in this verse was two things. The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And what happened to the church? It multiplied. 
How many, how many of you guys want to be part of a multiplying church? That's good. That's awesome. I do too. <laughs> well, what are these two things? Well, think about it. The, the fear of the Lord. Well, last week we talked about Isaiah walking into the presence of God in Isaiah chapter six and falling on his face and saying, woe is me, I'm undone for my eyes have seen the Lord. And he sees how big God is and how glorious God is and how frail and flawed and faithless at times that he is. Juxtaposed to a holy God. And he realizes, man, I need God in my life. I, God is rightly to be feared. He's a little bit bigger than I am. So the church, the early church, had the fear of the Lord. What's that mean? They were humble. They were teachable. They were open to whatever God led their way. They were bendable and flexible, and they trusted God. They were ready to obey. They weren't self-sufficient, but they realized their need for God. They walked in the fear of the Lord, and it says that they also had the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What did that do? That made them brave. They were full of the joy of the Lord because they realized that they'd been forgiven. Just like Isaiah last week that we talked about when he walks into the Lord's presence and says, woe is me, God doesn't just go, poof, you're gone. God sends an angel from the altar with a coal and says, hey, I've made you clean. Now stand up, will you go for me? I'm gonna send you out on a mission bigger than yourself, bigger than your life, bigger than you dreamed. Are you ready to go? But God makes him clean. And that's what has happened to the church. They have the fear of the Lord and they also have the comfort of the Holy Spirit knowing that they've been loved and saved. So they're open, flexible, teachable, but they're also realizing that, yeah, I've got sin. I'm not ignorant of my flaws. How many of you guys know you got flaws in your life? But they saw something so much grander They saw the crucified Christ that had washed away their sins. And now, to put it crass, they, they couldn't believe their luck. They couldn't believe the life that they have by the Holy Spirit now. And so this group of people, this band of ragamuffins, they have two things, the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Spirit. No master plan, and yet the church multiplies. And I'm, I'm all for plans, guys. I'm excited. We might get to talk a little bit about the plans that we have for this year. I hope we do. I'm, I'm really thrilled about it. But whatever we do this year, I felt like a check in my spirit that if I'm not careful with this vision sermon, what I can do is I can point us to all the plans and all the cool stuff we're going to do and hoorah, and we're going to be an amazing church. You guys ready? But what God is calling us to do this year is first focus on him and say, hey, all these plans are nothing if we're not following the Holy Spirit and we're not doing it to the glory of God. Amen? So that's where I want to start. And I just want to start, I'm just going to start, I'll start with a confession. There's part of my heart that wants our church to grow and multiply for my glory. Can I be honest? Is that all right? Why? Because, man, oh, did you guys hear about what's happening at New City? You guys see, they're growing like crazy. It was like 3,000 people in a day. Poof, man. That's right. 
But there's another part of my heart that doesn't want us to grow. There's a part of my heart that's very, very comfortable. I know most of you by name. I get to hang out with you. We have relationships. We have friendships. And if I'm not careful, my comfort and my, my desire, my personal preference can get in the way of the Great Commission and what God wants to do in this church. I can set my desire for this church. It's almost like a, like, a, like a parent with a kid and you got this cute little baby. It's like perfect, right? And you're like, I never want it to grow up. Right. Have you guys ever heard a parent say that? Yeah, all of us are unhealthy. That's, <laughs> right? Healthy parents, we want our kids to grow and mature and become all that God has for them. But then if I'm honest, sometimes I look at Gavin and I'm like, oh, he's five and he's so perfect right now. Just don't get oily skin and pimples and BO and teenage attitude. And, you know, just stay, stay the way you are. And this part of my heart that would prefer for our church to just kind of stay the way it is because it's comfortable. As a church, we can't stay there. We have to grow. We have to mature. We have to become all that God has for us. So we do have a plan, but it's a plan, hopefully, if we talk, if I pick that paper up at all, or if I don't, we talk about the plan for this year. May it be for the glory of God. And may it be a plan that's flexible and lightweight and submits to the Spirit as He leads this church. Amen? Let's, let's, let's talk about the plan for a minute. Um, uh, part, of, part of our hope for this year is building on the health that we had the last year. Back, uh, some of you guys haven't been here that long. You don't know the full story of our church, but when we merged, church was going awesome, gangbusters, and then we lost our space. And immediately stuff started going haywire and a bunch of families moved and all kinds of stuff happened. And the first year of New City was a pretty tough year. And I remember at the end of 2015, Kenny and I walking into an elder retreat, like limping and limping into the elder retreat, like beat up and tired and worn out and saying, I got nothing. <laughs> what are we going to do next year? What's the theme going to be for the year? Because, you know, yeah, churches do, you get cheesy and we build banners, you know, and say the theme for 2017, you know. If each one would reach one, we could reach the world. You know, or whatever, whatever the, the theme is. And, um, and we felt like one word as we were praying in 2000, the end of 2015 for last year was just health. We need to be healthy. So we, that's basically what we did. We took a bunch of the stuff we were doing as a church, the busy things, the schedules, and we just pulled them out. We said, we pulled out, we even pulled out leader trainings. It was crazy. We, we, we looked at this, uh, the calendar of the year and we said, how can we plug in seasons of rest so that we're not doing big stuff in certain times of the year and intentionally like Sabbathing as a church almost, going out to the beach, hanging out, having fun and not killing ourselves as a church. And I'll tell you what, guys, if you were here last year, God bless it. I feel like our church is healthier than it's been in a long time. We had baptisms last year, people like Naveed and Katra and Scott and 
Uh, man, God, God blessed us with baptisms. God blessed us with babies. The church is growing, y'all. One baby at a time. People getting married. Marriages coming back together. God bringing healing and restoration. Like, healing was what God did last year. It was so beautiful. And our church, it was awesome because our attendance grew by about like 30% and so did our budget. And we were able to give over $11,000 last year out to other church plants. As a church plant, praise God, we were able to give $11,000 out to foreign missions and church plants. That's exciting. I don't know, that, that thrills my heart. And so, and then toward the end of the year, we got to like hang out with, as a staff, as, as a group of leaders. And you know what? We never do this. So I'm going to call an audible because I can, and it's Vision Sunday. So, you know, the Bible says give honor to whom honors do. So I'm going to embarrass the heck out of some people real quick. But I just, I, I want uh, Kenny and Hannah to stand real quick. I don't know. Some, some of the leaders might be teaching, but let's just, those who are here, stand. Kenny, we love you, man. Kenny's the other pastor of the church. Awesome starting a gospel community in City Heights area. It's awesome. And uh, let's see, who else? Daryl and Katie, are they around right now? Daryl. Stand up, Daryl. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> Tom and Shannon, are they here? Oh, Tom's teaching. Shannon, I'm, I'm amazing. <laughs> we love our leaders. Uh, let's see, David and Christy. David and Christy, we love you guys. They're starting a community in, in Normal Heights right now. It's awesome, man. God's Trevor and Heidi. And Trevor's here today. It's awesome. You guys stand up. Or just, just look good sitting. That's fine. Uh. <laughs> Got a leader, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, John, where's John at? The guy who did announcements. There he is. John. Romero? Romero? Nice, yeah. And then in addition to that, God, God sent us a, a wonderful family down from Soma, Tacoma, who jumped in and hit the ground running, Todd and Hannah. You guys, yeah, Todd's here. Todd, wave your hands, stand up. We got together, and you know what? We retreated, and it was like an actual retreat. I mean, like jacuzzi-style hang out over meals. We just prayed for each other and shared where we saw God at work in one another's life. And just the health, the Holy Spirit was just doing a work in our leadership. It was amazing. That's the best retreat I've ever been on in my life. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm not just blowing smoke up here when I say this, but God forbid anything ever happened to me, I would love to sit in this church under these leaders and serve and follow them. I know they would shepherd my, my family and my heart. Dang it. Don't cry, Vince. <laughs> All right. So we've got this amazing team, and God's just been blessing us in 2016. So it's like, so as we're coming out of that into the next year, the question is, what are we going to do in 2017? And we don't want to move away from health. <laughs> this is not, now on to better things, right? But we want to move deeper into it, and, and that's by organizing by organizing some things. Anything that's healthy has to be organized. It's got to be organic and organized. You have a baby in the mama's womb. It's just a heartbeat. It's all hard at first. But at some point, bones and ligaments and supportive structures have to show up for that baby to be healthy and be born, right? Or you look at a plant. 
You guys remember college, a little biology lesson, but a plant is organized and organic. You know, it's, it's chlorophyll, which is the life's blood of the plant, but it's also cellulose, right? Which is the cell wall. It's the supportive structure, the skeleton, if you will, of the plant. If you've got a plant that's all cellulose, all cell wall and no chlorophyll, it's dried up in the roots. It's basically like a tumbleweed, right? No life in it. But if you've got a plant that's all chlorophyll and no cellulose, you've got a puddle of green on the ground. Not that great. And our church has been an amazing network of organic relationships and health, and it's gotten it this, this far. God has done that work in our church. But it's, it's also time for us to start to organize certain things and to start to build some supportive structures. So to be organic, to be healthy, but also have some supportive structures that support the health. Like you can have structures that kill health, right? You go to a cemetery, everything's exactly where it's supposed to be in its proper place and it's dead, right? We don't want that. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about organization. We're talking about organizing to support health and to support growth in our church. Uh, another picture of that's just a seed. A seed goes into the ground. A seed is same thing, but just like a plant, but it, it digs its roots in the ground and it, it shoots up. It's got multiplication in its DNA and it begins to bear fruit. And then what's in the fruit? More seeds, right? And they fall to the ground and the seeds get planted and more plants spring up. And that's a picture of what the church is supposed to be. A healthy church will be a, a multiplying church. If we're following the Great Commission for our church, we have to build our church in such a way that we're honoring God and his great commission on us to become a sending church, to become a multiplying church. We don't want to do that by division or subtraction or addition, but by multiplication. So if we're going to honor God's great commission, that's what we have to be. And that means like a seed, some of us are going to have to die to our personal preferences and to our comfort zones, and, and to our pride. It means we have to add some structures to support life. Why? For the glory of God. How? By the power of the Spirit. Amen? So, looking at the early church, I'm just going to walk through a quick passage, Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Did we get that loaded? It's on it. Boom. I'll have it up on the screen. Let's look at Acts chapter two. Actually, I'm gonna start in one real quick. Chapter one, verse four. You probably don't have this one, Marco. That's okay. And while Jesus was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, but the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we already heard that that was happening later on in chapter nine, the first verse we read earlier, right? But this is the promise. Let's flip over to Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as his spirit gave utterance. Where are they in this chapter? 
You guys remember? Where did you say they were? Anybody? They're all, they're all in an upper room. Who's all there? 120 of them, they're all together, gathered together from different households. They're hanging out and they're praying and they're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I think if we're not careful, we can take this for granted. Because I think a lot of us, like, um, we take the Sunday gathering for granted, this time of coming together. I, uh, I recently watched Scorsese's new movie, Silence. Has anybody seen that? Heavy movie. But it's about the persecuted church the, um, two centuries ago in Japan. And you see the Japanese believers longing to be able to just get together and just strengthen their faith and just say a prayer together. And they're hiding icons and they're, they're, they're hiding from the persecuting government. I'm just thinking about, you know there's churches right now still in our world that are persecuted that can't meet in public. What a, what a privilege we have to be able to gather together here on Sunday. In, in fact, the writer of Hebrews exhorts the early church. He, got, he, says, he says, forsake not the gathering together of yourself and so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. We're called to gather Together And this early church is gathered together and they're waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Somebody's calling me. It's not Jesus. Okay. He's like, you're over time, Vince. You got to move on. But the early church gathered together on Sundays. You know why they gathered together on Sundays? What were they celebrating? The resurrection which happened on Sunday. So every Sunday they got together and they remembered the resurrection. They partook of the elements to rehearse the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life in my place every day in his flesh. And he died a death that I should have died so that I could have reconciliation with my father. Like what a beautiful hope every Sunday to get together and remind each other that. How many of you guys know that you need that every week? As we're out there on mission, reaching into the, the brokenness of humanity, there's very real spiritual warfare that happens. There's war on our souls as we're out there fighting the good fight of faith. We need a place where we can come together and see Jesus high and lifted up and exalted just like Isaiah did and remember who is God and who isn't. And remember that we have hope and my problems are so small and compared to his power, he can do anything and, and worship God and lift him up together and hear the gospel, hear the good news and be reminded that I'm not the sum total of my actions, good or bad. My identity is secured by the payment that Jesus paid on the cross. I'm a son or daughter of God right now. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. Right now he calls me son or daughter. He loves me with an undying love. We need to hear the gospel. We need to get together and hear it as often as possible, amen? Amen. So that's, this year, we, we wanna keep gathering. That's part of the vision, that's part of the plan. We're gonna keep meeting here on Sundays and we're gonna praise God and we're gonna sing and we're gonna proclaim the good news of the gospel. It's not just teaching, by the way. It's just teaching, we get that anywhere, but, but the difference of teaching and preaching, I'm just randomly throwing this in there, is preaching is gospel proclamation. It reminds us the good news of the gospel, and we see Jesus high and lifted up and exalted. Good preaching results in heart worship of God. 
Teaching might result in some life change, me doing some things differently, but preaching results in worship. So that's what we do here on Sunday. It's a worship service. We're here to look up and see Jesus high and lifted up. Amen? Amen. So we're going to keep doing that. I want, to, I want to just thank God for our setup team and hospitality team that every Sunday faithfully gets here early and sets up and brews coffee and puts out the signs and makes this place warm and welcoming for us. Can we give them a hand real quick? That was a solid hand. I like that one. And you know who else we have? Actually, let's save all the hands for the end because then I'll never get through the sermon. We have an amazing crew that prepares all week long to teach our kids the good news of the gospel at their level. It's so, it's so great because we don't just throw them in a room with veggie tails and let the TV babysit them. You know, we're, we're bringing the good news of the gospel to them every week and teachers study and work hard and, and buy snacks and make crafts and do all kinds of stuff to love our kids. And it doesn't substitute the kind of discipleship that happens in the home by parents, but it's really good and every little bit counts, amen? Thankful for our teachers. I'm thankful for our worship team that comes and leads us. They were great today, weren't they? Yeah. Something I'm excited about this year, we're not just having random musicians play randomly together, but we're actually starting to form bands so there's even a sense of community as they hang out together through the week and practice together and get to know one another. So we're gonna have some awesome bands come out of this, maybe even some songwriting and stuff. Hint, hint. Yeah, tons of stuff, yeah. And, oh, and one other thing, because multiplication is something we're aiming for, we started a preaching club this year because I, I, God forbid I'm the only preacher that ever stands in this pulpit or Kenny's the only preacher that stands in this pulpit. We want to train up other preachers and we want to send them out to plant gospel works around this city. We want to plant churches all over San Diego and plant new gospel communities. And the only way that happens is as we grow people. You know, a lot of churches, even I at certain points in my life had kind of this mentality. It's like a grow and retain strategy. Just keep growing, getting bigger, and retain everybody, you know? And give them a non-disclosure agreement if they ever go start their own church. You have to be outside of a certain radius of us. Literally happens. That's not a joke. That really happens. But Jesus doesn't have a grow and retain strategy. We see in Jesus, he has a train and release strategy. And that's what we want our church to have. We want to have the kingdom in our heart. We want to train up leaders and equip them and send them out to plant the gospel all over this city. So we started a preaching club this year and I'm excited about where that's going. Um, okay, I got to keep moving. So, whew, yeah, all that stuff, that's good. And here's the deal. Unfortunately, a lot of churches, even us at times back in the day, we kind of stopped there and we make it all about Sunday. But when this church is gathered in Acts chapter two, they're not just gathered together for the gathering itself. Watch what happens next. Let's, let's keep going. Verse five. Now they're dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from under every nation of heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, what does this mean? And others mocking said they're filled with new wine. They don't just gather together and then just go their own ways. The gathering is for the going. They gather together and they're waiting on the promise of the Messiah. When the Holy Spirit hits, like think about it, for three and a half years they've been building up all the teaching of the gospel. They've been learning with Jesus. They've been ready. It's like, it's like tinder that's gathered together in a pile just waiting for a spark to ignite it. And the Holy Spirit falls, boom, and it spreads, it pours out onto the street, family on mission. And the Holy Spirit's doing this amazing work. Well, like what, could you guys imagine that? That would be amazing. This is one of my favorite passages in scripture. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They pour out into the streets and they display the power of God and they declare the gospel in all these languages. Why? For God's glory. How? How'd they do it? How did they learn all these languages? Did they take an error? Aramaic chorus for like three months? No, what was it? The power of the Holy Spirit. We can organize, we can plan, but guys, let me tell you, when you're surrendered to God and you're living for his glory and you're following his spirit, he can do more with you than he can somebody who's been to seminary their entire life. Amen? And back in Acts 1, I love this. They, they said, hey, Jesus, we're ready. And Jesus says, no, you're not ready. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the power of the Spirit. And when the Spirit hits, people are drawn. People are always drawn to the power of God in community, the the good news of the gospel on display in community. It's attractive. It raises questions. And we see three kinds of responses. We see people say they're amazed, and people are confused, perplexed, and some mock. So what do they do with it? Did they go like, you know, build an apologetics club and go to all the mockers and and like argue presuppositional apologetics till they were red in the face? Yes. Yes. That's what they did. No, of course not. They followed the lead of the spirit. They weren't worried about what people thought. They were living for God's glory and they were following the spirit. So Peter stands up and for the next, from verse 14 to 40, he preaches the gospel. And what's crazy about it is this is the guy 50 days ago that because he was so afraid, denied Christ. And now he stands up in front of this mob of people under the power of the Holy Spirit because he's a changed person now. And in boldness, he even says, this man who you crucified, God made Lord in Christ. It's like, dang, Peter. Talk about a 180 there, buddy. What's responsible for that? And was he doing that for his glory? Like, hey, guys, look at me. It's my moment. Upon this rock, I will build my church, right? Is that what he, no. He was doing it for God's glory under the power of the Holy Spirit. And guys, we go as well. We don't just gather. The gathering is for the going. Say that with me. The gathering is for the going. We go and we, we go into life full of the power of the Spirit for the glory of God in gospel communities on mission. 
That's the organizing structure of the church. Sundays are great, but I mean, what was the Great Commission? You guys remember Jesus said, go into the whole world and make what? Disciples. How do you disciple people? One hour a week on Sundays? Is that what we see Jesus do? He gives like a one hour lesson and he says, all right guys, listen to the podcast, come back next week. I hope you took good notes. No, it's, it's in life, isn't it? Life on life, in the natural rhythms of life along the way. Jesus is making disciples. And if we're gonna fulfill the Great Commission to make disciples, it's gotta be more than a Sunday thing. Church can't just be an event. So we go through gospel communities on mission and we go out on mission into our neighborhoods. And we find the dark, broken, hurting places in our neighborhood and we say, how is the gospel good news for this? What does the coming kingdom look like here? How can we bring that as a family on mission to this neighborhood or to this group of people? So gospel communities on mission. And guys, we have three. We now have five. And we're hoping by the end of this year to have two to four more gospel communities on mission. Why? Because we want to make our name great, right? No, we want to see Jesus glorified. We want to see people hear the gospel. We want to see the gospel planted all over San Diego and change this culture. Did a whole sermon series on being a countercultural movement within the city. How do we do that? Through gospel communities on mission. That's how we do that, living life together out there on mission. So it's, it's this natural. It's like breathing. We breathe in and we exhale. We gather in, see God glorified, get filled with his spirit and power, and we go out on mission in community. That's the movement of the church. Does that make sense? You tracking? But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. It keeps going. And lastly, um, and just a side note, by the way, if you're interested, you're like, hey, man, I would love to start a missional community. I'm not sure exactly how to do that. We uh, worked really hard last year in, in some downtime on a field guide that hopefully we can give to people and they can just even go start one. But we don't want to just do that. We don't want to just give you a piece of paper and say, now go. Like, we want to train you in how to do it. So we've got huddles to develop leaders so that we can send out church planters and we can send out new gospel community leaders throughout the city. So we just finished our first huddle the people who are through that, who went through that, are going to be starting huddles in the next few months. And hopefully by the end of this year, we'll have like five, six huddles going with new leaders being trained on how to live this gospel community life. Sound good? Yeah, I'm excited about that. And I feel like this is going long though. So let me, let me wrap this up. Um, go to Acts chapter two, verse 41. Because Peter preaches, and I would, I would love if we had time to just go all the way through his sermon, but we don't, so let's move to Acts 2.41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Boom! First megachurch. It's awesome. And how did they do it? What was their strategy? Glorifying God, following the Spirit. That's it. Okay, let's read. And they devoted themselves. This is a picture of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple, so that would be like, to contextualize that, that would be like our Sunday gathering. 
tending temple together and breaking bread in their homes. It's like our gospel communities on mission. Having glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So all they did, guys, was they lived everyday normal life with the new gospel intentionality and the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. That's what they did. And as they did that, God breathed life into it. And God added to the church those who were being saved. Who added? God. It's so simple, isn't it? What's our big plan for this year? Follow the Spirit for the glory of God. Amen? And yeah, we're going to try to set up some structures and organization. But at the end of the day, all of those are submitting to the Spirit as He leads us. Amen? So this year, quickly, um, we grow together as a committed family. And one of the things many of you guys have asked about, you're like, do we have membership? How do I become a member? And we haven't. We haven't had membership. This year, we're going to have membership. So if you're like, man, I would love to be a member here. This is my church. I'm committed. I want to commit to this family and get committed to by this family. I'm excited about this. I see it's biblical. Great. We're going to have that in the early spring, and I'm thrilled about it. If you are like, I'm not sure about membership. What are the benefits for me? We're going to have a sermon series on it and talk about it. And maybe you're just not the commitment type. Maybe you were born in SoCal. You know? (laughs) Maybe you take after the Chargers. Oh, oh, okay. All right. That was cool. That was too soon. Too soon. Let us pray. No, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but that's okay. There's room for you here. You don't have to be a committed member to be here on Sunday. You're welcome into the family to be loved, pastored, cared for. But for those who are interested in that, we are going to have membership. We're going to have a whole series on it. Also in the fall, I'm thrilled about this. Guys, we want to put tools in your hands for discipleship. The Bible says that God has given us the fivefold gifts. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's called the priesthood of all believers. That means that you don't pay professionals to do ministry for you, right? The pastor's job are to come underneath the congregation and serve and love and build up and equip the congregation to go out and do the works of ministry throughout the week. And so we wanna give you guys more tools for discipleship. Like, have you ever discipled somebody who is a brand new Christian? What'd you do? Like I asked a couple of people in our church, what would you do? So-and-so just got saved. If you're going to disciple him, what would you do? And honestly, they were like, I think we'd read the Bible. Where should we start? Right now, here's the deal. If we're going to be serious about making disciples, we should probably do some equipping on that. And so DNA groups are going to be relaunching in the fall. And we're running some beta groups right now. And we've got a, a new thing that we've been walking through, new tool set that we've been working on for two years. Painstakingly, I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to share it with you guys and have you guys start DNAs and start equipping new believers for the good news of the gospel, the basics of Christianity, how to read the Bible, how to understand the gospel and apply it to life. And in addition to that, in the fall, we're also gonna have a gospel shepherding conference. What that means is it's like, hey, if you've got a friend who's got negative emotions that are debilitating, they struggle with anxiety or they've got addictions that they can't seem to overcome, how does the gospel apply to that? And how do you use the gospel to help them get freedom in those areas? you know how? That's, that's a tough thing. It's a big discipleship thing. So we're bringing in World Harvest Mission, which is now called Surge. Surge. 
We're bringing them in in the fall. I can't wait. They're going to do a weekend training. We'd love for everybody who's part of our church to be able to be a part of it if you'd like to. More information coming on that. But this year, we want to give you tools for discipleship. We want to equip you guys so that we can plant the gospel firmly rooted here in San Diego. Amen? Yeah, that's our hope. But let's close out with this. All these plans are nothing, right? You guys know where I'm going with this. All these plans are nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit fueling them and without our heart's motivation being for the glory of God. And I just need to stand up here and repent for the many times last year and the year before that those other motivations crept in. I need to stand up here and I need to repent for all the times that I do things for my own glory or try to do them by my own strength. Because guess what happens? They fall apart in your hands, don't they? The Bible says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the wall for the protection of the city, the watchman's watching in vain. We can't build this church. We can't. Bible, Jesus said what? Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, we gotta understand something, guys, that we can't do this by our strength and we can't do this for our own glory, but the moment we surrender and we let God have his way in our lives and in our church, hang on. Hang on, that's when book of Acts type things begin to happen. That's when the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to blow and the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to fall and God begins to do something beyond what we imagine possible for his own glory. So I need to repent of carrying the burden and trying to figure it all out on my own. And maybe you in your own life or your own ministry or maybe even something you do within New City, maybe you've been carrying the burdens too the burden of mission, the burden of your neighbor who's not a believer and you want to see them come to faith. And you keep saying, man, if I just said the right thing, if I just did the right thing, I could somehow get them saved. No, I want to remind you of the gospel. The burden of mission is God's. The blessing of mission is ours. He's the one who saves. He's the one who calls. He's the one who redeems. He's the one that can fix your marriage. He's the one that can fix your financial situation. At the end of the day, we need to surrender to him and let him have his way. Let the Holy Spirit blow through the the corridors of our heart, breathe life into us again. So I wanna ask you guys as we close today to find those areas in your life where maybe you've been living for your own glory by your own power. And have a moment of repentance around communion. And say, you know what? There's a lot of areas that I've been trying to be my own savior or trusting in something less than Jesus to be my functional savior. I need to gather around the cup and the bread and remember that the work is finished and it's his work and he's done it on the cross. He said it's finished. I don't have to add one more thing, one more work to make myself look better, to make myself feel better. He's done it, amen? And then as you repent, also believe the good news that the the burden is God's and the blessing is yours. You get to participate. So you get to commit today. You get to commit to this year if you want to, to to New City and say, hey, I'm along for the ride. I want to be part of this. Or maybe you say, nah, I'm out, but love y'all. Good luck. That's fine. No worries. 
but we're, we're glad you're here today and I hope every one of us will find a place, a church that we can commit to where we can feel the movement of the Holy Spirit and we can shoulder, lock arms, shoulder to shoulder with other believers and march forward and see this city transformed by the power of the gospel. That's our hope, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your mercy. It's new every morning. We thank you for your grace by which we are sitting here breathing in and out. Your grace that's called us your children, not by anything we've done, but by the work of your son who stood in our place, condemned so that we could have life. And I pray that as we gather around communion as believers, that Lord, you would, you would move on our hearts and remind us of the good news of the gospel that we wouldn't carry one burden this year that's, that's yours, but we would willingly surrender and participate in the blessing of, of the calling that you have for us as you lead us. I pray we'd walk in the fear of you and live for your glory. But we can't do that on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to remind us, to convict us of times we're not doing that. So have your way over the next few moments, God. We give this time to you. And I pray that you would give us vision for our life, vision for our city, vision for our church. You said through Solomon that where there's no vision, the people perish. If there's, no, if there's no prophetic vision in the land, people are lost. They wander around aimlessly and purposely. But when there is vision, we live purpose-filled lives. And I pray you'd give us vision today that not one person would leave here without seeing themselves as you see them. Loved and accepted and child of God. Have your way in Jesus' name, amen.